Up next on episode 84 of Stack Overflow, Joel sits down with the Stack Overflow team who are working on the hosted version of Stack Overflow from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Okay, so uh, you are listening to the Stack Exchange podcast, the number episode one. Uh, my guests today are the Stack Exchange developers, David Florton. Hi. Aaron Manpa. Hi. And uh, Evan Nicholas. Hi. Who are the Stack Overflow, uh, uh, Stack Exchange dev team. I spent like the whole day like trying to explain to venture capitalists like Stack Overflow, Stack Exchange, and I can't, I, I just can't get it right. We're going to have to somehow merge these all into one big gigantic stack. Oh. Oh. All right. We'll talk about that offline. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about it here if you want. <laughs> we can. It, it's, uh, don't worry. It's, uh, it's, I think it's question number one, so uh, it'll, it'll probably come up. Um, what have you got on your list? Uh, just some interesting things that I thought. So email notifications, you and Jeff sort of talked about uh, oh, yeah. last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, he doesn't and like email, and I do, but I think I'm winning in the comments. I think definitely Stack Exchange admins want more notifications, so we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, That's well, I mean, I, this is my problem. Is there's all kinds of questions on, on the little Stack Exchange that we made for internal Fog Creek use, Yeah, which we call the Hour Dot Stack Exchange. Um, and I don't... Uh, uh, there's no way to to notice when there are questions of this unless you go back every single day. Yeah. You don't find that. Are we, we got any plans for that? That's sort of something that, like, it works fine for a gigantic public site where there are 10 million people visiting every day. But when you're doing kind of internally on a small team, there's no way to really get people to answer other than ask the question on Stack Exchange and then go email everybody on your team and say, hey, look at this question that I asked here. Yeah, so, well, I mean, the model that Jeff kind of advocates is, you know, you should... We should never push notifications on people. It should always be pull. So you should, you should be going to Stack Overflow and checking for new questions and seeing stuff. Um, but that doesn't work great for Stack Exchange sites that have kind of a smaller community or just building a community uh, because you may not go to them every day uh, or people may just kind of stop right. by. You may have be running ads or something and trying to build your community and somebody stops by and asks a question and then they forget to check back or... Uh, and they didn't check the little box at the bottom that emails them overnight, and they just never come back. Um, and then there's also the the problem you're describing, which is like as a Stack Exchange admin or a moderator or somebody who really cares about the site, you kind of want to know right away when somebody asks a question so you can like go on there and answer it right away so they get a good experience. That's not a problem on Stack Overflow because most questions get answered pretty quickly because there's lots of people yeah. Checking it all the time, but that's not really true with a, a smaller, smaller site. site. So, so what's the answer? Well, I don't know. Um, I don't have a great answer, but it's, it's something that, uh, that we're thinking about um, kind of for. So if you have an idea, call the podcast hotline at 
podcastexchange.hotline.com. <laughs> Leave a message in an Agvorbis format. Uh, so, I mean, I think, I think email not- notifications are an answer. Um, and that's certainly what people are asking for just because that's what they're used to getting. Um, it might be cool to have something. I'm just trying to think what would work for like our internal, like at Fog Creek, you got 34 people here for our internal team. It might be cool to have even like a daily email saying that went out every day at a certain time. And obviously you had to subscribe to it. And it said, the following questions are still waiting for answers on stack, stack uh, your, on your stack exchange. And, yeah. you know, but questions could be in there. The newest one could be in the top. If they just get ignored for a week, they just disappear off the list. They're never getting answered. But that way, at least, uh, there would kind of be a reminder to go back if you knew the answer to a question. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could uh, uh, have deep email integration in the asking of the question itself where when you ask a question, you actually email some people that you think might have the answer, and then you CC Stack Exchange, and Stack Exchange kind of opens a question there and makes sure that the answer is attracted in there even though you're doing it through email. Yeah, so it's well, like an email recorder. Well, I think the one, the one thing we have to be careful of is that we don't want to move too much into email because I think you, you can lose the whole community Why side not? of Jeff it. Jeff is in New Zealand. He's not going to know. Well, no, I mean, I think there's a, there's a valid <laughs> point, which is that like, if, you, if you go to a site and ask a question and then you get your answer in the email, you may never go back to the site to accept that answer or vote up or see the other answers or anything like that. So That's I think true. we don't want to drive people away from the sites and, and turn it into, and there's already, we can send, we can email people a flash app <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the flash applet can like force them like, is this the right answer? Click here. Yeah. There are things we could do. I mean, we could have a big obvious link. Is this a good now answer? Now play tower defender. Netflix does that. They send you emails and say, right. Click one of these links. Um, right. But, you know, yeah, so how we do it matters and, and kind of driving people back to the site is the is the goal. All right. Cool. What else is on you? Well, we'll come back to that. Uh, Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself? You've been on you've been on one of these episodes before, haven't you? Uh, nope. No, never? Nope. Really? We never had you on the Stack Overflow podcast? Nope. All right. Well, you're talking to Aaron Menpa. What kind of name is that? It's, it's either Finnish or Inuit. It's Finnish. Finnish. <laughs> I wasn't sure because you looked a little more finished than you did. Aaron, Aaron was the first developer uh, of Stack Exchange who started even before uh, the rest of the team got there and managed to get out the very first beta all by, all by himself, um, left alone in a room. And what we did is we kept the door closed and only fed fat, flat food to him. <laughs> so like those fruit rolls, um, matzah, crackers, just about anything we could find that could be slipped under the front door. And, uh, and it got out there pretty well, so... Yeah. Yeah. That um it was hard to get him water, but <laughs> uh, what have you been working on? What part of Stack Exchange have you been working on? Uh I've been working on a lot of the deployment stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so because I wrote a lot of that before anyone else started, um, I probably sort of know it the best right now and so uh, I'm working on that. I'm also working on uh, I'm working on some build automation uh, because we're trying uh, given given the trouble that we had with sort of beta six, we are trying to improve our process a little bit. What was beta six? I didn't I didn't hear about that. <laughs> so beta six, uh, yeah. we. We broke uh, everything. Yes, we, we broke everything mostly because 
like there was Christmas and we added a bunch of people and we wrote a whole bunch of features and they all kind of got batched up. And then when we deployed, we discovered that there was some pretty serious performance regressions mm -hmm. um, as well as we didn't really have any headroom in terms of capacity for those performance regressions. So everything kind of died. We're actually kind of running tight on the two servers that we have are running pretty heavy or hot. What's the, what's the, what's the cool, what's the cool way yeah, of saying they, that? They were. Um, we're. We're running a little better now since we did some performance optimizations. And actually, we have two and a half servers right now mm -hmm. uh, that we're running on. So we're okay. We're, we're getting a third server that should give us a lot more space to grow. That should last a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> just buy them a rack at a time. You can buy, you know what you can get now? I was reading about this. You get these gigantic shipping containers just full of servers. Park them out in the parking lot. It takes you about three weeks to get them hooked up to power, and, and you need some kind of source of cold water uh, and food. Not food, really, just electricity. And, and it's, they've got, let's see, what is it? 20, 100, no, 1,100 U of, of servers space space so you could probably have like 1100 little web servers or something in one storage container yeah that might be overkill yeah <laughs> we should uh, that's gonna be one of the questions how much uh, how many sites are there on stack exchange you sent me some you sent me a spreadsheet before so we'll look at that um all right emmett why don't you introduce yourself emmett is the newest uh, member of the team and his job is to uh what something <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm the newest member of the Stack Exchange team. I actually just started about a month and a half ago at the beginning of January. Um, you heard Aaron and David kind of touch on uh, some problems with Beta 6 and some performance fixes that they were having to do. So at the time I showed up, um, I just started pushing forward on feature work and some bug fixes while they were sort of um, heads down on getting it back to mm -hmm. um, performance state. So the first major thing I worked on, which is going to be released... Um, any day now is the database export feature, which is coming with beta seven, which will allow you to export your database and back it up. So cool. you can feel like you own your data. Um, and how does that work? Do you just get a, a, a SQL server database delivered in your inbox or something or? Yeah. Um, it's actually an XML form. We, we just oh, cool. dump, dump the database to XML. Um, we don't have any sort of import functionality, but basically you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, it's a, it's like a backup, but no restore kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, that's more of an export. It's yeah. also based on the it's on the based on the Stack Overflow data dumps. So people oh, people want to do the stuff same with format? their data and see. Yeah, it's the same format. So cool. we include all of the data or almost all of the data. Uh, right. Our, they they don't Stack Overflow leaves out all the personally identifiable data and anything that 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 is not visible on the site. Like you know, um, for example, I think people's email address is not shown on Stack Overflow. Yeah. As an example, so right. ours includes everything, all those columns and. Yeah, the only the only we we left out a couple scary tables that uh, we didn't we felt a little scared of giving you like a like the passwords table, uh, right? You know everything's salted and hashed, but it, it still seemed like a bad idea to just give those out in XML files. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we give you everything because it's it's uh, it's your data, mm -hmm. um, and uh, people want it to be able to back up their data. They also want you know right. lists of email addresses sometimes to uh, and to be able to do like um, analytics on their Right. Is there any kind of way to get anything other than the entire dump? Like, can you can you pick tables or choose what columns you want? Or no, right now you basically just get the entire dump, and if you really want to, you can just do some post processing and right. do whatever you want with the data to get a subset of it if you want to. But they're pretty small. I mean, they're they're uh, it's all text. There's not there's not any binaries in there. So 
They're only small because nobody <laughs> nobody uses Stack Exchange to the volumes that they're going. Well, to I, even the, the even the Stack the Overflow data dumps aren't ridiculously huge, right? They're, they're eight gig. Uh, I think there's less than that. maybe maybe they're and that's now. like binary and compressed or something. Uh, yeah. Well, they're zipped up and yeah, um, yeah. We zip ours too. Um, cool. All right. Uh, so uh, that's coming coming up soon. What what else are you working on? What are you working on next? Um, right now I'm just working on some last minute beta seven features. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, we're basically all three of us are going to start working on the billing functionality, which is going to be necessary to actually launch. That's right. So we do have to charge people. You <laughs> <laughs> have to figure out how to make money at some point. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll be working on the stack exchange side of that mostly. Okay. We can, we can just get a, like a, like a room full of accountants and they can type up invoices on selectric typewriters. Yeah, that, them in the mail. That was actually the plan. Isn't that funny? Can you believe that? That like, if you went back like forty years, you would find rooms full of people, and that would be exactly what they would be doing. They would be typing, like invoices to all their customers. You can still find that at like law firms and stuff, places that are charging so much money that there's absolutely no reason to automate anything in, in any way. Yeah, it's not us. Our law, our law, our law firm, or our, our accountants are really kind of funny. They send us a letter once a year that says, you know, accounting services. and sometimes Michael calls him up and he's like could you itemize this and they're like "Mm, I checked it it's right (laughs) he's like no I kind of like to see it itemized and they're like all right fine they're like accounting services (laughs) (laughs) $93,000 xeroxing and mailing $1,500 that's right he was complaining about it because he figured it was they basically just look at how much money we make and uh Right, and figure, they just take a fraction some of, percentage that. of that. Which is, uh, it's not, I mean, the, the truth is, no matter how large the numbers are, they still have the same number of numbers, right? Like, we could be a company that's 10 times larger, and all they have to do is the same thing. They just have to go to the top line and write in thousands. So that shouldn't cost us anything extra. But, you know, when they have to multiply big number, numbers, it's harder for their little brains than when they're multiplying small numbers, I guess. All right, so you met you met the team. What else? Uh, what else you got on the list there, uh, David? Any other? Uh, uh, well, I mean, there's a kind of cool stuff. If we run out of things to talk about, oh, we can talk about them. All right, but maybe we should take the questions people are actually asking. Woohoo! All right, listener listener questions by popular request. Here's a question from Community Wiki. Um, uh, yeah, what should we what what should we expect? There's basically this. Oh boy, should I just I'm just going to read this. In a recent article, Joel announced he is looking for venture capital for Stack Overflow and presumably Stack Exchange. Actually, not. This would be for Stack Overflow, but it's a long, long story. What will this mean for Stack Exchange sites? What should we expect? Well, um, there's a pessimistic scenario here that Community Wiki came up with. Eventually, Fog Creek will lose control over Stack Exchange. Oh my God! It's, it's the brakes don't work. <laughs> It's careening down a hill and the brakes don't work. Decisions will be made by people who care about ROI. That means return on investment and market share, not by easygoing tech guys like Joel, who mostly care about doing the right thing. That's very, very charitable of you. Um, (laughs) Why is it it important who runs Stack Exchange? Because of platform lock-in. Once you spent thousands of hours building a community, you cannot easily move it somewhere else. The platform provider has tremendous leverage that they can exploit, for example, by ratcheting up prices to the maximum pain point. That's right. We're going to sell to computer computer associates, and they're going to multiply everything by 100. And this is sort of funny because I sort of thought our prices already were at the maximum price pain point, weren't they? Isn't that how we set our prices? Prices until like a, until like absolutely you know if they went any higher I don't think we'd have any customers. Um, 
Up until now, I've been telling myself in Community Wiki speaking, yes, I'll be locked in a proprietary platform, but Joel Spolsky will be running the thing. And I'm pretty sure he's a good guy. Now I can no longer say that. After all, it may not be Joel who's calling the shots. All right. So um, uh, I, I guess this, I'm gonna, I, I can answer this. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> it's going to suck. No. <laughs> uh, so so, so here's, here's a couple, couple things to know. First of all, a Stack Exchange right now is, is a Fog Creek product, not a Stack Overflow product. And um, uh, Stack Overflow, uh, it, we're going to raise the money for Stack Overflow. And, and what the relationship is between that Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange is still kind of a little bit in flux. Um, but specifically, this whole business about platform lock-in, uh, you know, I'm very con- concerned about that. And so we've got a, a couple of things going. Number one, you do have the ability to... Um, uh, use your own domain, which you really should be. Uh, you know, some of you are using Stack Exchange domains, but almost almost all of the Stack Exchanges that are out there have their own domain, which which you own, right? Like we don't we don't need, we're not the registrar or anything like that. So, um, you certainly control your community, and you have the ability to move it to some other software. Uh, not only that, you can download uh, all your code. Uh, the only question is, what, what could you upload it to? Well, I, I assume that there are going to be a bunch of Stack Overflow clones and, if, and Stack Exchange clones, and if they're smart, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to read our import format, so we'll have to be competitive. Uh, plus, you could always get a, a licensed version of Stack Exchange, right? It's only $2,500 a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we charge for the month by that. We don't really give you the, you don't really own it at that point. Right. We haven't really done the Fogwoods model. Okay, so Talking that's not a the, possibility. The enterprise version. Yeah, I mean, you could get like a, you know, that's not really an answer, but the answer the, I think the answer is that uh, there is going to be a lot of competition. You own your data, you own your domain. Uh, there might be some pain in moving, but I mean, obviously, um, w- w- we or whoever takes over Stack Exchange when we go the you know the brakes stop working and it becomes the evil VCs, which is not even going to happen. But even if that happened, uh, you know the maximum pain they could inflict on you is whatever the pain would be for you to port to some other platform, um, which is, I, I expect within a year, there's going to be plenty of competition and it's not going to be hard to find something that you can port to, uh, if we don't, if we don't keep you happy. So that is not, um, uh, a, 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 a very good pessimistic scenario. Um, and, and that's sort of the philosophy we've always had with stack overload of not wanting to lock people in. In fact, um, you know, when we were starting, we looked at, um, CDDB, which is that database that figures out the names of the songs when you put a CD in your in your um, in your computer. Remember CDs? They play music, and anyway, oh, yeah. you put it in, and it's like eh, this is you know whatever, and it you know it would figure out that it was ABBA's greatest hits, and that the first song was Dancing Queen, and so on and so forth. And uh, um, feel free to laugh when I talk. <laughs> <to you guys. laughs> Huh. Anyway, uh, the the uh, there was CDB, there was IMDb as well, and both of these things started as public domain, sort of the internet, just sort of being nice. And both of them were taken over by corporations who closed them up and and just tried to make money off of them. Uh, and Experts Exchange is almost a, an even worse. I'm sorry, the the the, uh, the hyphenated site is, is a worse example of that they also started out kind of open and then started charging for all the content that people had provided. And in the early days, they let the people with a high enough points uh, get in without paying, but eventually they. Uh, Stop doing that too, and um, it's uh, uh, we didn't want that to happen, and, and that was that was like the very form of evil expro- expropriation of community content that uh, we created Stack Overflow uh, to, 
to be against. If, if there's anything that's more in the DNA of Stack Overflow than that, I don't know what it is. I mean, that's, the, that's one of our most, most core things. And so you can see this all over the place in the design of Stack Overflow. First of all, from day one, we used the CC Wiki license. And it's basically a license that says that we don't own the, the, the content that's on there, which is why we make those uh, database dumps that are available. Because we wanted to make sure that if, um, uh, no matter what happens, literally no matter who we sell to or raise money from or turn the site over to, uh, and even if they take Stack Overflow and make it an evil site where you have to pay to look at things and there's pop-up ads and pop-under ads and um, you know dancing chariots of fire that cross the screen and punch the monkey and Oh, man, I can think of so many evil things. Anyway, and it just becomes a big, gigantic spam site. It uh, doesn't matter, because just take the latest CC Wiki download that, w- that we provided and go start your own site saying, you know what, this is going to be the clean version, and I think a lot of people will follow you. So, the um, uh, you know, we very, very deliberately built Stack Overflow in a way that there wouldn't be uh, any chance of lock-in, and, and we're pretty much doing the same thing with Stack Exchange. It's not... Uh, oh. Well, I mean, no, 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 I mean... <laughs> Let, let's be clear that Go ahead. it's a, it's a little different than Stack Overflow because we we don't put the I mean we don't put the CC Wiki license on your Stack Exchange site. Right, you can put whatever license you can put yeah. whatever license you want. But the the idea Correct. is that not not so the idea with Stack Overflow is like the users own their own data that they submit. The right. idea with Stack Exchange is that the admins can uh, do whatever you, they want. They own. They can yeah. decide to do that or they can or not. Right. They own their site. Um. And you know the. Hopefully, most of them are going to put a, a CC Wiki license on it and and kind of follow the Stack right. Overflow model. But you know we don't. Uh, well, some of them are going to be building internal sites or secret sites or commercial yeah. sites or whatever, and that's right. you know that's fine. Whatever they want to do with their site. But, so um, yeah, but I think this is also. I mean, <laughs> it's not a very reassuring answer that you uh, that you just gave to that. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded sort of like uh, yes, the worst could happen. Yeah, but if it does, you're going to be able to get out of it for a certain amount of money, which is basically you're going to have to come up with some other code, and you're going to you're going to undergo some pain to move to some other platform that somebody else is supporting. And so what that does is it places an upper bound on how much we can torture you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like how much we can extort. <laughs> right. I'm just being honest. I'm just taking your perspective, which is, like, yes, we can extort you, but only to the point at which somebody takes, like one of those open source things like CN Prague and writes an importer, yeah. or one of those... Uh, uh, you know, one of the other one of the other clones that are going to start showing up, uh, you know, left and right. Um, and if anything, I'm, I'm I, uh, onto the, the the pricing of Stack Exchange. Um, you know, we uh, we're building this out. We're building a very very high quality data center. We're using like top notch gear. Um, we've got duplicates of stuff. Where uh, right? What we've got like Dell servers. We're not we're not we're not using like the cheapo. Yeah. Whatever the cheapest you know crappy servers are we've got dell servers we've got raid drives we're gonna we're gonna probably end up having to buy a san um for storage which is going to end up costing quarter of a million dollars but uh, uh you know we're not we're not doing this with like the world's cheapest equipment that we just tr- try to rack up and and it's crappy and and uh you know and we have system administrators and 24-hour monitoring and all that kind of stuff and that that kind of stuff kind of costs money and i think that um the uh the logical thing to do is to come out at a price that so where where you can be absolutely sure that it's a profitable business to be in uh and then lower that over time uh and so i don't think you're going to see stack overflow stack exchange prices going up They're, they can only really go down yeah um yeah so I, there's been a lot of questions about the kind of pricing um m- mainly focused on the fact that people well, the the people who who uh, who sort of imagined that they would start a stack exchange site and be able to pay for it with their um, with the ad AdSense. revenue, yeah, <laughs> um, they're finding yeah. they're finding that that's kind of hard. Um, 
based on the prices that we've set, and also I think it's harder to get ad money than than a lot of them realized. Um, right. Well, that's one thing which uh, you know there's a, there's a whole bunch of possibilities for for what Stack Overflow does with this VC. So the, some of those things we're kind of playing our cards a little bit close to our chest because. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's not always the best idea just to sort of explain your business plan to all your competitors a year before you even have a chance to start executing it. Um, but, um, you know, some of the things specifically that I'm concerned about is making it easier for people to make stack exchanges uh, and helping them with stuff they may not be good at. And so, in particular, when we look at the kind of stack exchanges that are out there, we see a lot of people that are, that are good at getting communities uh, off the ground. Um, but not necessarily at um, monetizing them, to use the word that our VCs will use. Like they just don't know how to, you know, they don't necessarily have the resources or the experience to sell ads. Uh, or, um, you know, maybe in some of these sites, the right thing might be, you know, more serious sponsorships um, or, um, you know, NPR style, you know, sponsored by so-and-so. Uh, or the right thing might be um, a career, like a career back end for some of these sites. Some of these sites are very career specific. And so uh, uh, one, one thing I'm hoping we can do, um, you know, in the next year or two, and especially if we can raise some money, is uh, try to create uh, opportunities for us to help stack exchanges um, with their monetization platform. One idea that we've always had in the back of our head and we've never known how to really pull off is, is some kind of a deal where a stack exchange um, site owner um, gets uh, hosting for free in exchange for uh, giving us a certain amount of their ad inventory to sell. And we could only do that in areas where we thought, I mean, you can't have a 4chan like site. I mean, it has to be something where we can sell advertising. Uh, but you know, in, in in certain sites like that, there you know, there, if you have a, a a reasonably defined, narrowly defined community, if we can get the right kind of CPMs, uh, you know, we may be able to do things like that, or um, you know, even better, give us all the ad inventory, and we'll give you a, a share of it back uh, in in revenue. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of that's kind of half of what Stack Exchange is, and, and a direction that Stack Overflow could take it. You know, the other half is is more like um, you know smaller sites that are for a company wants to do customer support with it, right. or just an internal one, uh, like we use here at Fall Creek, and and a couple companies are are using um, just for like internal knowledge exchange. Um, yep. And then there's also, I mean, there's also I think a case for small community sites that are never even really planning to grow giant. You know, if if our goal is to replace PHPBB, not every PHPBB out there is giant. Uh, a lot of the PHPBBs are, you know, tiny, tiny, 50 yep. people. Yep. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's going to, if Stack Exchange is going to do that or if it's going to be some clone that comes out that um, it, it's kind of providing a, a cheaper option um, for those people. But... Um, you know, these are all directions that the stack exchange could could go and and could grow into. Yep, yep. It, the the one thing that that is a little bit weird is that we are sort of combining a product that makes sense for you know making the pony website all about ponies. Is there such a website? Is there a site about ponies? There's got to be a site about ponies. Uh, I got to look at your email here. I I don't think it's. I just sent you the top two fifty. I don't. I don't know if the <laughs> pony website. In the top two hundred and fifty, <laughs> is there a, is there anything about a horse? I'm just going to search for a horse. I don't think. Uh, Although I know that a horse and a pony are different things. Nope. Pony ponies. Pony. Nope. 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 Yeah, Ponyoverflow.com. <laughs> pony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure somebody has created such a site. We uh, we've had like. 
2,000 sites created. Wow. Probably more now, but the the majority of them are just somebody created it and played around with it and didn't actually really try to do anything with it. Right. It looks like we have about 250 here that have, you know, reasonable amounts of traffic. Um, so Star Trek, Star Trek Online at www.starbase24.com. Awesome domain, dude. All right. <laughs> Probably means something in the Star Trek universe. Um, are any of these? Okay. Anyway, uh, the the uh, the um, so so this is one thing making a bunch of pony sites. Uh, and it's very different than um, corporate use because in, in business use, these prices are you know absolutely insignificant. So if you're going to use a stack exchange uh, to provide tech support or community support for the community of users of your business, uh, uh, you know whatever whatever our costs are. How much is it? One hundred seventy nine a month. Yeah, one one twenty nine a month is the lowest. Okay, um, so that's like that's like negligible. That's like literally that's like literally less than we spend on toilet paper at Fog Creek. I'm just kidding. We get toilet really? paper free with a building. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, when you think about it, I mean, you got 34 people, what, like half a roll a week, a roll a week, a dollar a roll, $2 a roll, add it up. This is, this is not, absolutely nothing for a business. Um, but you're right. It is very, very expensive for somebody who's, who's not thinking of making any money and they just think it would be a fun thing for their church to have or whatever. Uh, it's, uh, um, kind of a, kind of a harder problem. So we may have to sort of separate out the small business and from the, corporate kind of enterprise kind of thing uh, just because those are such such different worlds and they need such different things. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do. And I think ultimately it'll be, a, you know, there'll just be two different feature sets that, uh, that, these, that these groups are interested in. And then once we have kind of those different features that different groups are interested in, we can just, we'll be able to lower the price for people just trying to do mm-hmm. a community site and, uh, and have the higher price stay for the, you know, the companies that are, willing to pay it uh, and so it'll be kind of you know the companies will in some ways subsidize the community sites that right are growing all right well community wiki has been busy he has got another question here should i take two questions from the same person <laughs> second question here uh there's been some talk about a code-based merge with stack overflow shortly after launch i'm curious how this will work uh what will be the ongoing arrangement between the two platforms to exchange bug, bug, bug fixes and new features Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Anyone? So the so the so what happened was when Aaron started all all by his, himself. Yeah. Um, uh, the plan was then to be a fork. So we just sort of forked the code and uh, and started hacking on it and basically just hacked it into a shape where we could get it out uh, for yeah. the beta so people could start banging on it. Well, and, first we had to translate it to VB script. Yeah. So we could <laughs> so we could code in Wasabi because uh, <laughs> that's all we use here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Um, now people are going to think that that's true. They're going to think that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely no risk. Yeah. Um, so, so, we, so we started forking it, and, uh, and we made a bunch of changes. And then, uh, and then we talked. I started, and we started talking to Jeff. And he said, well, you know, maybe we should do a merge um, because we're fixing a lot of bugs that you guys should have. And, you know, occasionally you guys do something that we want. Um, <laughs> So there, there was there was no example of that until <laughs> until uh, he saw that we had. Uh, I think you guys talked about this last week. He saw that we uh, had added the account recovery email, and he added that to ah, Stack Overflow. Yes. So, but that was not an example of him pulling code from us. That was an example of him just kind of stealing our idea and re-implementing it. Yeah. So, um, 
So then, then we started talking about a merge, and uh, the question is, what's that going to look like? Well, they don't want to. They don't want to just pull everything from us because we make lots of changes that they're not interested in, right. uh, and that don't really make sense for Stack Overflow. Right. So, um, so they don't want to just pull everything from us. We kind of want most things that they do, um, at least the stuff <laughs> that they're doing right now. They're not the bugs that they fix are bugs that we have too. The the features that they add are, are generally things that we have too. So I think the relationship is going to be we will pull most things from Stack Overflow. Right. Um, they will pull almost nothing from us. Snobs. Uh, yeah, uh, and how how exactly that's going to work logistically? Uh, you know, well, they don't need Open don't LDAP know. support for Stack Overflow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not in their not in their uh, list of. Uh, how how does that work list? mechanically? Uh, Just for this is a, this is supposed to be a podcast for programmers, so we can be all. Uh, well, we technical. don't know yet, so I mean, the, the, we've just been kind of push, putting it off. Uh, they're gonna the plan is they're gonna fly out here at some point for a week and we're going to talk about all of this stuff and, and try to get on the same page right. about it um, and uh, have a big merge party what, and, what, and one of the things I, oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> One of the things I get a lot of requests for is uh, uh, the API work that they're going to start doing, I guess. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to... That's one of our highest priorities, I think, to take from them. That that's an interesting example because it's something that that they want, something that we want, but what we want may not be the same as what they want. Um so their so their first version of mm-hmm. the API is just going to be uh, just reading data, just pulling data. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't like post through the API or anything. Um, and uh, uh, a, a lot of the requests that we get for API are to be able to post questions through the API, mostly for like admins to be able to use it to like fill their site if they want to import some stuff, um, right? Or uh, for various things like that. Um, so we're gonna. I think that the API. We're gonna look at what they do. I think we'll. We, we may just pull everything that they do. We may uh, pull everything and expand it. We may sort of follow their model, but do things a little bit differently based on our different needs. Um, mechanically, how it works is, well, like I said, we don't know, but um, we, we have been pulling inside of some kind of patches. We have access to all of their code. We have a, a mirror repository that pulls in all of their changes overnight, and we can see them and, mm-hmm. and watch what they're doing, and then it's pretty, it's pretty easy. Uh, it actually makes it look like Jeff is using Mercurial. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Though, if you look at the uh, if, you, if you look at the uh, the revision graph in in Kiln, it's pretty yeah. obvious that he's not because everything mm-hmm. is a is a single vine and <laughs> it's just there's no branches at all. Vine piling up. Uh, yeah, but um, so we we've been able to pull in patches. You know, it's pretty easy for Mercurial to kind of export a patch and pull it in. Uh, so we've done that with kind of individual little things, uh, but nothing on a, a large scale of kind of pulling everything in from them. All right, cool. Here's a question from uh, the, the, the Jeff. Uh, he says, given that the Stack Overflow trilogy uh, was explicitly optimized for running as a single site instance on a set of four to six beefy dedicated servers, well, uh, what optimizations have been necessary to support the Stack Exchange model, which is hosting hundreds or thousands of smaller sites on a single server? Um, none. Uh, no, we <laughs> we uh, we haven't done a lot of optimizations yet. We've been uh, we've been a little bit kind of throwing hardware at it for now, just to try to get it out the door and see where our, you know, where our problems are and and what we, what we need before we start trying to optimize it. Um, definitely, Stack Overflow is in a very different, uh, you know, boat than we are. They get an order of magnitude more traffic um, than kind of all of our sites put together. Um, so, really? wait, let's figure this out. Page views. This is per um, 
This you is said it's per half month. These numbers that you've month. given me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, luckily, um, uh, David sent me this in Excel, so I can just sum it up there, uh, and then I can multiply that by two. So that's monthly page views, and divide it by let's divide it by twenty-four or so to get weekdays approximately three hundred forty-six thousand. It's not that. It's not okay. It's not an order of magnitude. It's about half an order of magnitude. <laughs> okay. But it's still it's still pretty uh, insane. So I mean, a lot of the oh wait, this is you said this was spam. This didn't DNS. We got to delete that. Well, yeah, so, not all of it, some of it. All right. Yeah, we had uh, we had a site that was getting scraped every night by some IP address in Malaysia. It was <laughs> thanks Malaysia. Basically, <laughs> basically the worst scrape ever because it was hitting uh, hitting some URLs about twenty thousand times over and over again. What, slightly what different query parameters. This is just your life if you want to run a big publicly ma- maintained internet server. Like with Joel and software, I can just ignore that stuff. But when you have a site that has a Stack Overflow or Stack Exchange or whatever, you just get the randomest stuff. You get First of all, you get the search engines and, and not the, the crappy little search engines in Malaysia, but you get the, um, the Yahoos and the Microsofts of the world just absolutely, I don't want to be too graphic here, but, but brutalizing you for hours and hours and hours. And it's just medieval and you have to you have to shut 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 them off uh you know because some programmer was like oh i'll just write a scrapey thing that goes and you know and then they have a little bug and they use nine trillion kilozigabits of internet yeah in this case it wasn't even a bug it was just very naive so it would just follow every url on the page right but when you're kind of dynamically generating some urls um do you think that was custom code, or I don't know if you ever investigated this, or do you think that they just got some some spider library that they downloaded from some kid at Carnegie Mellon and wrote it in 1998 I, I in Perl? highly doubt it's a custom code. It's probably just something naive that spiders a site. Right. In our case, it was being annoying. Um, so anyway, what were we talking about? An order know. of magnitude. So we have, yeah, we have less traffic. Um, yeah. We, we are running into problems, so we have kind of a naive architecture right now that we, that we have to fix, where uh, every... It, it, it was basically the, the easiest possible architecture given the code that we had where basically every site uh, has its own um, site, website in IIS uh, on the servers. And uh, that turned right. out to be kind of bad. Um, so we've literally got hundreds of websites on each of these servers. Thousands. Thousands. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, IIS can kind of handle it, but the problem is kind of spinning up a new site or a site that hasn't been hit in a while. Uh, Do they have their own app extremely pools? Painful. No, they all share the same app pool, so, so they're it's all still one process. So they're all on the same process, yeah. But uh, in a, in, in ASP.NET, you're a separate app domain uh, mm. and a separate HTTP application, uh, and so you have to start that up, and that turns out to be pretty CPU intensive. Uh, so under load on our servers, uh, if you have a cold site, it can take a, ten seconds to start up the first time you hit it. How how long does it have to be idle to get cold? Uh, until uh, an app pool recycle, which we do every. Three times a day or something like that. All right. Uh, so it's very painful for brand new sites. Uh, so we have to fix that. So very, very um, lightly used sites, you know, will there will be a lot of spin, spin up. So a lot of the time when you hit them, you'll see a very long delay of the first page. Yeah. Um, it's really kind of a bad experience for for uh, for people just trying it out too because um, they're cold. They have cold sites. They have cold sites, and then they go to bed and they get up the next morning and they hit it and they think, "Wow, this is really slow." And then they post on Meta and we explain to them, "Oh no." Once you have lots of traffic, you'll be fast, like the uh, like the like everybody else, like the big kids. There were there was all there were a lot of things like that where optimizations had been done for a running site, and, and the minute we, we brought it into um, Stack Exchange, like I remember you couldn't 
you couldn't ask a question, right? Yeah, you right. couldn't ask a question because you had to provide at least one tag, and you couldn't create a tag because you didn't have enough points, and you didn't get any points because you had never asked any questions. It was just like the total. It was it was like it was like software designed by Joseph Heller. Yeah. So this is this is probably the more interesting aspect of this question catch, than catch like twenty two is the, the writer who wrote catch twenty two. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. Um, this is the, I don't expect Jeff to get these jokes, but I mean, you guys are hand-selected to work at Fog Creek. Yeah, uh, these are the kind of questions that you have to answer uh, in your interview. So. Um, uh, yeah, no, this is the more interesting, I think, side of this, which is kind of the, the, the areas that Stack Overflow never sees. A lot of them are because, yeah, they have a running site and they have a huge community and they just never run into these problems. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, we had lots of these Catch-22s. The other one, you know, uh, being you need reputation in order to vote people up. But the main way you get reputation is from By being people up. voting you up. Right. Um, so then that that's kind of a big problem when you're just starting out a site. <laughs> the only person who can vote anybody up is the admins. So the admins are on there, and they have to run through and like click everybody's up arrows. And then you know the overnight thing runs, and it says, "Oh, suspicious vote pattern," and deletes all their votes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then people lose their reputation, and then go back to you know zero, and they're sad. So um, what do we do about that? So uh, this is a feature that we that we put out in uh, in beta six uh, called Bootstrap mode, um, where the idea is that uh, when you start a new site, you're in a special um, you know mode because um, you're bootstrapping your site. You're starting from nothing and trying to get up and running. And uh, so when you're bootstrapping, well, the rules are different. Maybe I should let Aaron explain this since he actually wrote the code for it. Aaron. Okay. Uh, so basically, the idea is to relax a whole bunch of the reputation requirements mm-hmm. um, in order to sort of both allow you to develop a sort of population of users that actually have a re- enough reputation to vote each other up, um, as well as to sort of give new people a feeling of what the site might actually feel like. So there's a couple key things that we identified, um, notably voting up, commenting, tagging, Retagging um, as things that, in 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 sort of in in a very small site, everybody just needs to be able to do because you're not you're not concerned at all about you know random spammers coming by and filling your site with you know garbage because your site has only existed for you know four days and there's only ten people that know it exists. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we did was we just sort of went through and tried to find all of the various places where we check reputation levels and, you know, inserted a check sort of whether or not you're in bootstrap mode as as a way to give administrators the ability to uh, help kickstart their site mm-hmm. and sort of build a population of users that, you know, can actually use the site because they can... They can create tags, they can comment, they can vote. Um, one of the concerns, and we sort of went down a, 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 a blind alley um, in the first implementation of this, is that you know we were concerned about when you come out of bootstrap mode, what your users, like, if they don't have enough reputation to uh, exercise all of the abilities that they could have done during bootstrap mode, that they will suddenly lose a whole bunch of abilities. Um, the the big concern being like retagging and creating new tags, which take like a hundred and two hundred and fifty reputation. Which I mean, ostensibly, 
you could not have that, especially in a small community, uh, after mm -hmm. a little while. Um, and so we threw up a banner, and a bunch of people really didn't like that, you know, because, and, and, and that's, you know, legitimate. Like, not everybody wants to, you know, not everybody is nearly as enthusiastic about e using a brand new site as, you know, techie people. Right, so right. Uh, we pulled that down, and uh, we also put together a sort of guide that gives you a little bit of stats about the sort of health of your site. While you're bootstrapping. While yeah. you're bootstrapping. Yep. Um, so that you get an idea of, you know, what kind of minimum level of activity we figure you need before you can take these limits off. Right. Because you really do need, you know, a, a reasonable population of users that can vote on things before you turn it off. Because otherwise, you're right back into the... You know, nobody can vote up, so no one gets enough reputation to right. vote up problem. This is actually kind of cool that we have sort of this laboratory where we have all these sites and we can do statistics across all of them and try to figure out what is the number of users that you need, what is the number of... Not that we have. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we could theoretically. <laughs> uh, you know, we have like a little laboratory where we can try A-B experiments on, on community building in a way. Yeah, well, no, I mean, we're learning a lot about kind of how to start a Stack Exchange community just by watching a lot of these. Right. And, and that's sort of the, the bootstrap guide, which is the second part of the bootstrap feature, um, bootstrap mode feature, was, was intended to solve this other problem we were seeing, which is kind of Stack Exchange admins don't know what to do when they start. And so right. we see this pattern, <laughs> this pattern over and over again. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm searching for Stack Exchange on Twitter all the time just to see what happens. And so I'd see all the time somebody goes to stackexchange.com, signs up for a site, uh, they get there. They they uh, they make a logo. Right. They change the colors because that's easy. Yep. Uh, and then they maybe post one question, and then they go on Twitter and announce their site to the world and say, "Yep, oh, this site is open for your questions. Come ask all your questions here." Yeah. And uh, and then they're shocked when uh, when you know the the twenty people who click through there are like, "Hey, there's only one question on here, and it's <laughs> it's not very interesting." <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe I'll never come back. Um, so that's people, people kind of want to answer questions. I mean, there's a there's a what was yeah. that what was that? there was a little website that had just a whole bunch of little HTML based games that were like, "Can you name all fifty states? Like, how fast can you type all fifty states?" Have you seen that site? It's got like a million no. things on there, and they're all these little puzzles, which are like, you know, can you name all the movies that Kevin Bacon was in? Can you name, you know, and it's just a bunch of little like typing puzzles, and it's like really, really fun to get these little puzzle challenges, and that's kind of what makes a Stack Overflow or Stack Exchange fun. So if you have a site that's like, please come ask your question, that's not, that's not how you're going to attract people. You're going to attract people by saying, can you answer this question, and giving them, you know, dumps of interesting questions yeah there's a few yeah so there's a few pieces you need um definitely you want some you want some questions that don't have answers yet so that new people come and feel like oh i know the answer to this i can answer a right. question then right. you need you need kind of sufficient mass uh people there that uh you know they post their answer and somebody upvotes it and then they're like oh this is a nice feeling i got upvoted i have some reputation now that i didn't used to have um and so then they you know maybe think how do i get more reputation um you know so things like that um, that you kind of you just have to reach this kind of tipping point before mm -hmm. you try to go really really know, broad, big, yeah, big yeah. public with your site because you're just gonna you're just wasting your efforts. At, uh, if you go too early, these people are just gonna come and look and think uh, whatever and and uh, and never come back. If you can somehow just recruit like five or ten people that are committed to spending you know a half hour on the site every morning and every afternoon, 
Right. Um, and, you know, like see it as their responsibility to try to come up with interesting questions, to answer any questions that are there, and just kind of keep plowing the content in there. Because I, I certainly know when, uh, when Darmish and uh, uh, Jason started um, answers.onstartups.com, uh, which is now, uh, you know, our, shall we say, sixth, let's, I'll just say fifth, fifth largest fifth. site. Yeah. Uh, they, um, they recruited like 20 startup founders. I mean, they had emailed on the, on, on the first day, just for the beginning, they made sure that there were 20 people that had, you know, successfully, um, built startups, uh, uh, to, you know, to be there on the first day answering questions. Yeah, no, this is, this is a very common theme we've seen on, on the kind of sites that worked is that, um, some of the sites got lucky and already had kind of an existing community. So like math overflow sort of already had a community to draw. Where did they, so, what was that? So there was another site somewhere that's now going out of business or where were all those math people coming from? Uh, I think there were, I think there were a couple sites already. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what they were that, that they kind of drew their audience from. No, don't, don't quote me on that. I'm not entirely that's a, sure. It's but, a, uh, it's a amazing site by the way, math overflow. Yes, it's. It's stunningly terrifying uh, if you go there. Uh, <laughs> I know. I can't, I can't answer anything. I try because I, I, I know a lot of tech from college, so I just try going in there and making up stupid answers, but yeah. they usually vote me down. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's terrifying. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reality. Everybody's like, are you kidding? That's not a Boson particle. Every once in a while, I go there and, uh, and see a question that sort of sounds like English, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I'll understand this question, and then it's terrifying, and yeah. I have no idea. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... Um, so what I, I think what our recommendation right now is what we what we think kind of works is yeah start by create your site you know set it up whatever get the colors and, and all that but start by inviting a few people directly you mm-hmm. know and actually like email them or call them or talk to them don't just tweet generally but right. invite people directly and say hey I'm starting the site yeah there's not a lot of stuff here's what you should do you know post some questions you know uh, answer other people's questions invite anyone else you know. Um, so it kind of started that way, and then once you've got sufficient mass, then you start doing more broad advertising. And this is really the the model that Stack Overflow used to get started, right? And that they've used to start each of the the, the yep. other sites. Yep. You're in, they were in beta for a long time. They had a lot of questions before they went into went kind of well. They really public. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm just remembering the first day because I just remember. Uh, I'll tell you about the first day that Stack Overflow was 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 live in public. I mean, obviously, the intention always. Jeff and I knew that. I mean, you know, one of the reasons we kind of went into business together is we thought that we had a large enough audience on our blogs to bring things in. But during the design of Stack Overflow, we had this belief. Um, first of all, while, while we were building it, when there was nobody there, um, we used a data dump from the um, .NET questions uh, forum that I had on Jolin Software, uh, a, a moderately successful .NET uh, a forum that is now closed. And that, that if anything, is one of the reasons why... Um, uh, the fact that we closed that and those people were all the early people that came to Stack Overflow is one of the reasons that it's sort of still got a kind of a bit of a .NET uh, skew. Um, even though there's a lot of technologies in Stack Overflow, it's probably a little bit disproportionate to .NET type technologies compared to the general population. But um, anyway, we, we'd imported all those questions and we finally decided and we thought we would go live with those as the seed, uh, you know, qu- questions. And uh, um, But they were just the wrong format. We didn't want to fill fill up the site with with junky data at the last minute we made kind of a decision just to purge it and go go live with a clean site uh with nothing in it and i don't even i would have to ask jeff like where the first six people came from because when he emailed me and says said all right it's up 
uh, I, I was on vacation then and I had a crappy little browser on a Nokia E71 phone and I was in Israel and uh, using um, whatever the 3G network is there and this tiny little phone and I'm like, all right, let's see the, the site. And I had this particular um, question uh, to ask. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was something that always comes up in um, .NET. So I thought it would be a good sample question. It's, uh, I think the question was, oh, what the hell was it? Oh, I wonder if it was the one where it's like, how do you write a regex for URLs that excludes the last period? Because like, if you want to take, if you're if you've got something that's going to take some English text, find the URLs in English text and make them into hyperlinks. You're going to be yeah, searching yeah. with a regex for URLs, and the um, the the blind behavior a dot can be in a URL, but people often use a URL as the last word in a sentence. And then, or or right before a comma, even worse, which is in a comma is also legal in a URL. So the question is, how do you how do you modify a, a naive regex that finds URLs into a regex that finds URLs but successfully excludes a period or a comma at the end? So that was my uh, uh, that was my question, and I typed that in, and um, the answer ended up had already been there, and it was like, did you mean to ask this? And so I'm like, hmm, okay, <laughs> I guess this happens a lot, and I clicked on it, and admittedly, I think Jeff might have been asking that one uh, or getting the, or giving an answer, um, but but it was already there, and there were four or five answers there, and they had already been voted on, and the number one answer already had seven votes, and I was like, this is insane. This is like the first time I had a chance to use this site. It's already it's already working. So I think it was mostly just um, the the we we spent six months gathering an audience on the podcast and getting people following our blog and getting people kind of excited that this thing was coming uh, before it went live. Yeah, and that's sort of the hard part of starting a Stack Exchange site is uh, it really depends on the community and, and drawing, right. getting a community together is not not a, trivial, not a trivial thing. And, right. And it's just just having the right software isn't going to make it happen. It's going to you know it, it's going to it's it's the right uh, um, you know it's a it's fertile ground, but you still need the the seed of of the, the audience to start. Yep. And the, the, other, the other thing I get is you know people sort of say, well, Stack Overflow was successful because of Joel and Jeff bringing in that initial audience. Uh, and wh- while that is true, uh, it now has way more traffic than both of us have put together by you know orders of magnitude. So. Uh, easily, most people on Stack Overflow will never have heard of us. We were we were at the airport, Jeff and I, uh, in San Francisco. Where were we going? I think it might have been Stack Overflow World Tour. And um, and so I'm wearing the Stack Overflow. It was the Stack Overflow World Tour, so I had a Stack Overflow logo on my uh, on my shirt. And some kid who um, looked a little bit too young, he was wearing a suit, and he was very young looking. So I think he was a, like a college kid going to an interview. Walks up and he's like, "Are you guys from Stack Overflow?" That's awesome, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm just wearing this shirt because I didn't want to have some kid. And uh, he's like, oh, no, I really like Stack Overflow. That's that's really cool. And I'm like, no, it really. This is Jeff Atwood, and I'm Joel Spolsky. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, and we were like, never mind. It's okay. <laughs> get on, get on your plane, kid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So I, I think we're kind of at the point where most people, uh, uh, you know, found the site long before they, they, they knew about us. And that's going to happen in, just in general with a site that's successful. It will take off because as soon as it gets indexed by Google and, and people start asking the same kind of questions that you have answers to and they find them through Google, uh, you know, that's gonna, that should grow and be the major source of traffic for the site. All right. Uh, well, that's, uh, that's uh, that, what does restore session mean? Firefox is having trouble recovering your windows. Sorry. Let's take, I'll take one more question. Uh, one of the goals of Stack Exchange is to replace PHPVB. 
PHP VB is free. Stack Exchange is not. How can you work to replace PHP VB and still make Stack Exchange a viable business model? Does this mean ad supported community edition is in the works? Yes. All right. Well, that's the end of the <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> no, it's actually not in the works. You're right. Ad supported community edition. Well, it's something we want to do, right? I don't know. I'd like to do uh, that. We just don't have the resources yet. If we can make it work. I'm not, uh, yeah. I'm not totally convinced that we can make it work because I think that a large percentage of Stack Exchange sites are just going to be really small. Um, and that's fine. They're just going to be kind of niche. Well, they're not going to take that sites. much. They're not going to take that many resources either. There's going to be. After you guys do your big rework, they're going to be like. Uh, yeah, that's true. So um, put 50,000 of them on a box somewhere. That's true. We, we just need to. Put up uh, ads for American Express. We just need to make enough money to pay for. Uh, Pay for all the toilet paper around here. <laughs> it's pretty high quality toilet paper. Eh? All right. Uh, that is the end of uh, uh, you've been listening to another exciting Stack Exchange podcast. Not really the only uh, Stack Exchange podcast, which will somehow get into the Stack Overflow podcast um, flow. If you have any questions for uh, Jeff and I to answer on a future uh, podcast, um, uh, please call the Stack Overflow hot- podcast hotline at 646-826-3879 or even better record an mp3 or ogborbis file and email it to podcast at stackoverflow.com uh, show notes uh, are located at blog.stackoverflow.com uh, Jeff is in New Zealand this week but he has promised to put together some show notes uh, we don't really need show notes we didn't mention anything did we um, anyway uh, the, there's a transcript wiki where, where volunteers from around the world transcribe the interesting parts of this podcast, which is probably about 30 seconds in the middle when I fell asleep. And <laughs> they put it up for the benefit of the hearing impaired uh, at, at, on the wiki, uh, which itself is linked to from the show notes. Um, so just go to blog.stackoflow.com. We'll see that all. Thank you very much and see you next week. You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.